Hello and welcome to the Mastin Kip Podcast. I'm your host, Mastin Kip, and I am the creator of Functional Life Coaching, where we discover the root cause emotional blocks that are holding you back from success. And I'm also the creator of Trauma Hacking, helping you turning your nervous system into your ally, and the best-selling author of the book, Claim Your Power, and also a trauma survivor advocate. And this podcast is from my heart to yours. I'm going to share with you all kinds of different things, uh, different coaching uh, experiences that I've had with people, um, different parts of my life, maybe an excerpt from a seminar, different interviews with friends and thought leaders, all about how to get unstuck, how to hack your nervous system, how to turn your nervous system into your ally and really get the edge so that you can really live your dreams, uh, live your purpose, and most importantly, pay it forward. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. One favor I have for you is this. If you love this podcast, remember to subscribe to it. And if you feel called, please feel free to leave a review because reviews really matter, helps us spread the word and helps other people really discover this podcast. So if this was valuable to you, please feel free to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. And if there's anything in this episode or any episode that really strikes you as an aha moment, shoot us an email to hello at mastinkip.com. Tell us which episode it was and about what time uh, the breakthrough was in the episode so that we can really know because I'd love to hear from you what your aha moments are. I love hearing that. My team loves hearing that too. So without any further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Mastin Kip Podcast. Okay, so the foundations of polyvagal theory are neuroception and we have, now we're going to talk about that. Okay, so neuroception is perception without awareness. It's your body, your viscera, your subcortical perception of your environment and all the things we're talking about, vocal tone, body posture, facial expression, distance, all the things we're talking about are being perceived all the time by you. And by the way, every organ in your body too. So your whole body is like a threat detecting machine. So what happens is a trigger comes up and you don't even know it consciously and your face will change from a little bit of happy to like, from like happy to like, but you don't even know that change has happened yet. And in a relationship, you ever have a partner go like from kind of normal or nice to like, you know what I'm talking about? And then you see their face like, well, what the f- is this face? Right? Consider they don't even know they're making that face. And they didn't consciously decide to make that face. Their body's neuroception got hijacked by something in the environment that was threatening. Okay, same thing with tone, right? So is it a panic attack or is it neuroception? What do you think? A panic attack is neuroception. It's just your body going, threat! You're like, oh, let me give some benzo with that and ignore my body wisdom. No, right? That's why you have to associate to it. What's so threatening? The fucking carpet! <laughs> Right? It just depends, right? That's why you have to respect your body responses. And usually what happens with trauma in our history is we get faulty neuroception. Okay? Which we'll talk a little bit more about in a second. Okay? Part of living purpose, part of being successful in relationships and business is improving your neuroception. The better neuroception you have, the better you are. The safer you feel, the safer you feel, which doesn't mean that you don't perceive threat. But it's important to try to perceive threats that are there not threats from the past. And that's worked out over time, okay? So neuroception. Then we have the hierarchy, which we've talked about a lot, okay? And you're getting sympathetic and dorsal vagal neuroception. It's like threat, shut down. 
and you're not even aware of it. And here's the thing, by the time you become aware of it, you've passed the trigger. So you may like have seen maybe something on TV that got uh, you were upset, maybe had low blood sugar at the same time. That triggered your neuroception into anger, which you weren't aware of yet. You go into the kitchen, you see your partner, I'm angry, it's his fault. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa. What did I do? I just got here, right? Am I hangry? Yeah, oh shit, I'm hangry. Anyone ever been hangry? Did you ever realize you were hangry after you were hangry? Right, neuroception? Right? So the idea is, is to realize that it's probably not the thing in front of you that's triggering you. It might be, but it might not be too. You got to check in, okay, which we'll talk about in a second. Okay? And then co-regulation. So this is the biological imperative, and we co-regulate so we can self-regulate. Mental health community, I'm not bashing it for the practitioners, but the standard, especially treatment process, especially with the DSM diagnoses, is you need to self-regulate or we're going to medicate you. Here's your behavior set. Here's the symptom cluster. Correlate to this diagnosis. Okay, you can't handle on yourself. Take lithium. Take this. Take that. And the purpose of a lot of those medications is just regulation, which, by the way, can be an effective treatment pattern for someone who's extremely dysregulated. When they first brought out you know, lithium and all the different SSRIs that are out there right now, a lot of psychiatrists saw dramatic improvement in patient outcomes. Dramatic. The problem is, if you only bring medication to the table, you're not getting the nervous system involved. So you have to have ventral vagal on the table too. And you know, I take prescription Adderall every day because I have three traumatic brain injuries and my brain is not very dopaminergic. It's a whole thing I could give you a whole, show you all the brain scans and stuff like that. And I do everything I can to build that up, but I don't take that pill saying that's gonna fix me now. I look at it like glutamine or protein powder. It's just a supplement to help me have better you know, mobilization, but I still have to do the work. I still have to bring my ventral vagal system online. You know, Xanax or benzos aren't gonna activate your ventral vagal break. They're just gonna pump your brain full of fucking GABA and make you turn off. Who follows? This makes sense? And part of that can be good short-term, especially for acute symptoms, but long-term, you're, you're still training yourself to ignore yourself. Who follows? Does this make sense? So it's important to understand that it's not against the medication, and I'm not certainly against the DSM, but we need a polyvagal trauma-informed DSM, and if that was the case, we'd realize that almost every diagnosis is a sequelae or byproduct of the original trauma and polyvagal syndrome, right? And so, like, you look at all the different diagnoses in the DSM, you have 500 different ways someone can be dysregulated. <laughs> some of them are dorsal, some of them are sympathetic, some of them are both, right? I bet they could even give you a and DSM diagnosis for ventral vagal, right? Overly happy syndrome, I don't fucking know, right? Yeah, they would call it something like um, irrational joyful syndrome, right? Well, there's no stimulus for them to be happy, so I mean, they shouldn't be at this point, because look at what's happening in their life. It's irrational, I tell you, you know? <laughs> uh, irrational joy disorder, IRD, there it is, right? Watch it for, watch it, see, you'll see that in DSM-6, <laughs> right? But the goal is we have to co-regulate. We are social creatures, the brain is a social brain, and our ventral vagal system is a social engagement system. And co-regulation doesn't mean Instagram or Facebook, or Musical.ly or TikTok or whatever your thing is, okay? Co-regulation is face-to-face, -face, like this. Part of the reason you're feeling the way you're feeling is because of the quality of co-regulation here. And one of the things I was thinking about, uh, I'm not picking on you, it's just it's such a great example. When you're, ta you're talking about some of the traumatic memories you remembered were some of the clients that you were with, right? That is down-regulated co-regulation, 
right? And a lot of counselors, especially people who are seeing like traumatized, uh, you know, a group of the, in, uh, of the culture, they're in such proximity to so many down-regulated clients that they never actually get healthy co-regulation. And you can't be superwoman or superman and just kind of get yourself back long-term. You're gonna be down-regulated too, which is why you have to have up-regulated co-regulation, which is why I believe in immersion with space repetition of experiential learning like this. Like you were at Prosper Live, very impactful, I think. Was it impactful? Yeah, awesome. Then there was some shit in between. Now you're here having a different experience. And so the goal is to have immersion with space, uh, space repetition. And we add in you know, the coaching and stuff like that for the co-regulation in between. But the more that you can be in these environments, get these imprints is the better, which is why we structure things the way that we structure them, right? So co-regulation is vital. So any coach who says, I did it on my own is full of shit. These entrepreneurs who are like, oh yeah, I'm self-made. No one's fucking self-made. <laughs> you, no one is self-made, right? Everyone had help, but co-regulation is vital. But here's the thing, we co-regulate to self-regulate because if all we do is co-regulate, what's that? That'd be codependency. And if all we did self-regulate, what's that? It's narcissism, right? Narcissists only self-regulate. They have no value in other because they don't, usually because other was so negligent or painful, okay? So we co-regulate to self-regulate and we self-regulate to co-regulate, but we have to be in community. That's how it works. That's why I tried, but this is so valuable. Who follows? Okay, all right. Now, so um, when there's a neuroception match, what happens is it's appropriate for the situation. So if you see a stimulus or feel a stimulus and then you have anxiety, right? And then you realize, oh my God, the test is right now. That may be an appropriate response, right? If you're sitting and meditating in a calm environment and you get a stimulus of stress and you look out, nothing's there, what's that? Is that an appropriate response to the environment? But it's an appropriate response to your history. Who follows? Right, so our goal is to have our neuroceptive unconscious response match the environment eventually, which is not always gonna be the case. You can't get that perfect, so don't try because you're unconscious. I can't make my unconscious do anything perfect, no shit. Right, so don't try. But the more that you regulate, the more you build the ventral vagal pathways, the more you get the same shared context with the people in your life, the more safe you'll feel day to day, the safer you'll feel on Facebook Live or Instagram Live or in enrollment calls and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, the body cues can match the actual threat. Who follows? Does this make sense? You guys with me on that? Did I lose anybody on that? Okay. What was unclear? Yeah, no problem. So the goal is for our neuroception, our body's response, to match the stimulus appropriately. A lot of us take unimportant things and blow them out of the proportions. And we also take important things and minimize them, right? So if I'm in a room and it's a calm room with flowing water and it's nice smelling and good temperature and stuff like that, I'm trying to meditate and I'm feeling hypervigilant, that's not an appropriate response to the environment, but it is my history speaking. And so we can you know, love it, acknowledge it, get there, and eventually realize I can just be still in a room right? With, when we have trauma, we bring it with us and neuroception becomes faulty and everything's hypervigilant, whether it's actually dangerous or not. Does that make sense? Right? So our goal is to have our neuroception match whatever's happening. And that takes practice, guys. It's not something you're just like, okay, well, go ahead, neuroception. No, no. That's your subconscious, unconscious mind. 
you're super powerful and you've been ignoring it for a long time, most of us, like, right? So that's it, not going to happen at first, but the goal eventually is to do that, right? So one of my intentions was uh, about a year ago is I just want to feel regulated and safe when I'm presenting. That's how I want to feel, right? And it's, I've been working towards that because usually I'm more sympathetic where I'm just go, 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 go. And I have a lot of energy, but I'm trying to be a lot more ventral in my presentation. And, you know, CYP Live will be a little bit of a challenge. There's more people, right? But my goal is regulation. Because usually you see a bunch of people public speaking, <gasps> no matter how good you are at speaking, right? So I'm like, how regulated can I be? Or if a partner's upset, right? Are they upset because you're a piece of shit and what they said yesterday in the history? Or are they having a neuroceptive response? Different context. Does that make sense? So you want to you get to a place where this is matching, Right? And you could call it intuition, or we call it neuroception, because intuition is affect too. It's a felt sense in the body. Does that make sense? So intuition is also affect. Okay. So when we have a mismatch, so we have, we're in a, uh, the inability to activate the defense systems. So here's another way to be mismatched. Okay? You're mismatched because there is a threat, but nothing happens. So people who have been in proximity of a lot of trauma have a blunted response. They like, and so what happens is a lot of risk taking. They don't even know they're taking risks. Just kind of how it is. By the way, good for entrepreneurship. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to run out of cash in three days. And I don't even know that, but who cares? Let's go live on Facebook, guys. Woo! <laughs> right? But like, and, and, but the problem is, is that this is when like, oh, I'm in an abusive relationship and I don't know it's dangerous anymore because it's normalized. So when you look at disorganized attachment, there's a lot of mismatch here, meaning the threat response isn't interpreted the same because it's happened so many times, you've overridden it so many times that you're like, whatever. And guess what? That can be a good thing because sometimes you want to override your stress response and not have it be a big deal. That can bring you into healthy interception. But remember, everything's on a spectrum. If you're sitting in a theater, it catches on fire, cancel, cancel the universe, and you're like, well, there's no big deal here. I'll just stay. That is a problem, right? But if you're like going on an enrollment call that used to feel threatening and now it's not, that's good, right? So it's not like we don't want that response, but it, we can have a mismatch in that way. So a lot of trauma survivors have such a blunted fear response in the presence of something dangerous that they don't leave. They don't leave and they've gone dorsal. Now, what's interesting is you take that same trauma survivor, some PTSD, military, put them into a calm environment, neuroception gets different, right? Isn't that fascinating? Really interesting, okay? So that's another way. And then also, when you aren't able to calm your defense systems in a safe environment. So I'm in a safe environment, so they're the opposite. One is my defenses don't activate when they should. The other one is it doesn't need it. I don't need it right now, but it's here anyway, right? And usually what happens when we meet people who are getting started with their business is that you're approaching things that really, if you actually factually look at the threat of going live on Instagram or doing an enrollment call or closing a client or saying I love you, the actual threat in the moment is almost nil. The perceived threat based on your history is very high. Who follows? That's why when they say false evidence appearing real, no. It's so true. And if it's activated in your body, that part of your body doesn't know it's now. It's, it, thinks, it thinks it's then. So it's not false evidence appearing real. It's actual evidence appearing true. <laughs> right? Actual A-E, A-E-A-T, eat. Eat. 
and eat it, <laughs> right? But the idea is, is that like, so that's why if you say, oh, that's not true, that's, that's just fear, it's false evidence appearing real. Well, you just dissociated from your traumatized parts. If you say, honey, of course you'd feel that way, but that's not real, so different. So different, who follows? Okay, so our goal is not to have an overactive response when it's not needed, or an underactive response when it is needed, but to kind of find, and everything's about Goldilocks, guys. Finding the right on the spectrum, the optimal place to be, okay? And just the awareness, and we'll give you some cues here in a second of how to like get there, okay? But just that awareness is like, huh, is this a threat or not? Maybe it is. A lot of us take small things to make them big, right? Because that's just how it is, okay? Hey, it's Mastin. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. And before we wrap up, if you found value in this, one of the best ways to get this trauma-informed information to the world, if that's something that you want to do and to be a part of spreading the word, I would be so very grateful if you could leave a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts so that uh, you can review this. And hopefully it's a good review, but please leave an honest review. And especially if you want to leave a five-star review, I would be super stoked on that. But of course, just make it honest. But my goal is to share more trauma-informed information with the world. And I need your help to spread this information and reviews matter. So if you feel called to do that, would very much appreciate it. If you got value from this episode and from this podcast, we very much appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for hearing me out. And if you feel called, please leave a review on Apple or Spotify, and we'll see you in the next episode.